taking stock and going, what if today was my last day? Like, let's just do it really simply. Like, would I be okay if this is the last thing I did? And if not, I would go, well, why not? What do you wish you would have done instead? And then when I can see that, then the deeper question is, well, why aren't you doing that? What, that's it. And so, and so in this in this death practice, I get the I can help reveal the thing, the inner compass, the thing that's in me that's like, what you really want to do, what you really want to be doing is this. Why aren't you doing it? Well, I'm afraid. I don't think I have what it takes. Okay, great. Welcome to the great cloud of witnesses of anybody trying to do something in the world. Everybody feels this. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, mental health, and wellness, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. This podcast episode is brought to you by UHSM HealthShare, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current healthcare, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.uhsm.com uhsm.com. Hey fam, welcome to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you decided to spend your time here with us today. Today, you are in for a treat. I mean, I could re-listen to this episode over and over again. We're talking all about overcoming the limiting beliefs that hold us back. And what better time to talk about this than in the new year? And we're talking about this with someone who I consider to be a genuinely phenomenal human being, and that is Scott Erickson. In my own opinion, Scott is really great at interweaving story and truth and grounding and spiritual practice into this really aesthetically pleasing, uh, I don't know, presentation, so to speak which you can really see and get a feel of all of this at his Instagram, Scott the Painter. But for those who aren't familiar, Scott is a touring painter, performance artist, and creative curator who mixes autobiography, aesthetics, and comedic narrative to create experiences that speak to our deepest stories. He's the co-author of Prayer, 40 Days of Practice, and May It Be So, the author of Honest Advent, and a spiritual director to brave women and men, and a professional dishwasher for his food blogging wife. Scott lives in Austin, Texas with his wife and three children. And today we're talking all about, you know, stepping out in faith when your dream has changed and overcoming the voice of giving up. We're talking all about the journey of what it looks like to be shaped and shifted through the calling that's on your life and showing up as your true self and who you were truly called and created to be. Whether that means you are transitioning from something that you used to do into something that you really love or you just have a dream or path that you want to pursue, but the voices of fear and doubt and limiting beliefs are holding you back, 
we're talking about how to thrive in a culture of massive comparison and how to show up for the work that makes you feel most alive, even though it can be scary sometimes at the same time. It's going to be a great conversation, and I know you guys are going to love this. It is a breath of, of fresh air and inspiration, and I think just everything that you need to start your year off right. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Scott Erickson. All right, guys, I'm super excited. I have Scott Erickson with us today on the podcast. How are you doing today, Scott? Oh, I'm doing, it's great. I'm having a great day. I'm so glad. Your Instagram is amazing, let me just say. Like your artistry and your words. If you guys aren't following Scott, be sure to check him out. We're gonna have all the links in the bio. Um, So I just wanted to say, I appreciate the work that you're doing. And as a content creator, I know all and appreciate all of the effort um, that I'm sure that you're putting in. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I I appreciate that. Yeah. If you are one who's trying to put stuff out in the world, you and then you see what others are doing, you're like, I can tell they put some time into this. You know, uh-huh. I'm always I always get mad at like celebrities who just like here's a picture of myself. And you're like, come on, <laughs> I work so hard on my post. You just. <laughs> By default, got a lot of likes because of your face. Oh, man. You know, it's like a photo of their shoes and it's like yeah, a million yeah. <laughs> engagement, you know, and then you put yeah. so much work behind it. That's life, right? What can we do? <laughs> so you just released your book, Say Yes, Discovering the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. And we're talking about, you know, stepping out in faith when your dream has changed and really overcoming that voice of giving up, which I think is perfect for the new year. Um, you know, your life has been one of change, loss, choosing to show up in a new way and possibility. And I really love this. I personally relate in a number of ways. Um, I kind of joke about being a cat, being a cat and having nine lives. Right. Um, I feel like that's kind of you, right. You just had all these different lives and things that you've done. Um, but for those who aren't familiar, can you tell us a little bit about your story and what has led you to the work that you're doing today? Yeah. Um, I make my living as a professional artist, which for a lot of people, that's still a mystery. And, uh, I, uh, I do that by, I'm a, I'm a painter and an illustrator and I make and sell work. I, and then I, I'm an author. This is my fourth book and I, I hope to keep doing that. Uh, at various stages throughout my life. And then I'm also a performing artist. So I do these like weird liturgies or like these storytelling events and um, slowly putting those on in the world. Um, so those are the kind of things that I do. A <laughs> well, to make, yeah, I like to say I do a lot of little things to make a little something. So there you go. Uh, yeah, we have to, we actually, uh, it's, it's funny, like the idea of, being an artist, I remember talking to, granted, they were an older couple, but, you know, there was a paradigm that said, oh, being an artist, that's a hard way to make it in the world. Like, I remember saying, like, I'm an artist, and they're like, wow, you can't make it as an artist. And I was like, actually, the only way you can make it is by being an artist. Like, like you, because I think whether I'm like, what are you referencing all those manufacturing jobs? You know, like, right now, most a lot of our work is how are you going to creative problem solve? What's your voice? What do you want to put out in the world? Uh, being a self-starter, it's kind of a lot of like that. And so 
when I say being an artist, it's like, I have a viewpoint, I have a curiosity, I have a craft and I'm, I'm I put it, putting time into that. And then I thought through really hard about how that monetizes it, we'll use it and all that. But yeah, this, uh, that's, so that's kind of what I do in the world. And I, uh, I'm interested, I just think like all our conversations eventually end up at the, at God, the divine, some kind of deeper existential conversation. And so uh, I just found like what I'm really interested in is trying to create like a visual vocabulary for people's spiritual mm. journeys, um, mm. giving like them visual. a way to, yeah, I, I, I think our words are rooted in imagery. And when, you know, when we understand, we go, oh, I see, you know, we're saying like, I see an inner picture. And so I think a lot of the mystery or the unknown of the journey of life that we find ourselves on, like it's really helpful to have a visual vocabulary or a set of images that help us deal with the unknown or paradox of life that we find ourselves in. And so I'm trying to provide a kind of catalog for that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the work I do. And especially specifically with this conversation, which the book, it started off as like a, well, it started off as my own practices for my life and then it became a talk and then it became a show and now it's a book. And so uh, I, I knew I really wanted to uh, offer that visual vocabulary in this area of like mental health, spirit. Um, and that's, yes, yeah, so there's like a hundred illustrations in the book and it's kind of leading you along in that. Um, did you want me to get into like kind of where all of this came from or like yeah. this kind of storyline? Yeah. yeah I well, I... I love this so much. And I mean, if there's ever a time to monetize off of artistry, that definitely is now. <laughs> there is an opportunity yeah. now, like there just never was before. So I tell people, yeah. take advantage of the times. So I love that that's, um, you've been able to do that. But yeah, you weren't always doing art. You, you know, originally were pursuing other dreams, other careers, and that shifted. And so what was that for you? Yeah, I mean, in... So I'm, I'm in my 40s and uh, in my 20s, I, I, I studied as a high school teacher. I was a high school teacher for a bit. Um, and then like at 27, I, I, I actually had a really specific moment where I was like writing on my board in my room, uh, uh, my whiteboard, and I like stopped and I was like, there's something else I'm being asked to do. I, I don't know quite what it is, but I, I can feel this calling. Mm. And as I, I spent time with that, I realized it was... I, I was like, I always want to be an artist, whatever that means. And if I don't try it, I'll always regret it. And so I, I started, you know, being, when I say I'm an artist, it means I have a dedicated practice to something. Now, whether or not that pays my bills, that's a whole different conversation. But I've dedicated myself to kind of being a visual artist. Um, and I've done that throughout my life. And sometimes it's been my job. Sometimes it hasn't. I've worked at nonprofits, uh, a church, a brand agency, you know, I did a good 10 years of waiting tables like every good artist does. And um, <laughs> I've I've worked at a number of different, uh, I've had, I've been a teacher, I've been a college professor, I've had lots of different jobs, um, but I've always kept a craft going. And, um, but around when I was about to turn 40, uh, which I know is a number created by astronomy, but it does feel like a threshold. Like when you reach it, you're kind of like, oh, it is kind of a, move from a first half to a second half, something like that. And that was the particular situation I found myself in. But I, I had this moment where I put my kids to sleep, like in their beds, and I, I walked out of the room and I noticed I, and I, it wasn't because we had a magical bedtime 
story or anything. It just, you know, sometimes uh, your body will let you know that something's happening. You know, it doesn't, it, you know, uh, it will signal you. And I would say in that moment, like physiologically and psychologically, my body was trying to catch my attention. And I just started crying and I, I made my way to our only bathroom, this little tiny bathroom off the kitchen. And I just sat on the toilet and I just cried for like an hour. Mm. It just like, it just came out of me. And my wife found me. She's like, Oh my God, are you okay? What happened? And I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. And she's like, do you want to talk about it? And I was like, my, my tears are me talking about it. I, I don't know what's happening to me. And then with some time and uh, reflection, I realized what was going on is that uh, like a, I would define it as like a dream was dying, that there had been some kind of dream that I'd had for a really long time. And my body and my soul knew that it wasn't going to come true. And they were grieving mm. the death of that dream. And uh, they, they didn't invite me to that party. I just showed up in it. And, um, and for me, that dream was, it's, you know, for those of you listening, because, you know, uh, you know, we'll, when we get into the particular, we get into the universal. For me, the dream was less about like what I was doing, but more about like, I started understanding who I wanted to be in the world. And I wish I knew that at 18, because I, because I feel like we're like, oh, I should know at 18. And then, or like, I think there's a, <laughs> I think there's kind of a, a conversation that's like, if you're not Taylor Swift and you didn't figure it out at 15, the rest of your life is disappointing. Okay, so guys, this past week, we got to see the pre-screening of Redeeming Love, and I can already tell you this is going to be one of the best films you see in 2022. For those who aren't familiar, Redeeming Love is based on the classic novel by Francine Rivers, which is based on the book of Hosea, and the depths of all redeeming, unconditional love in the face of all odds. It was deep honest and had so many layers and it was just more than I even imagined. I'm still processing some of the takeaways from this film. Plus, the cinematography, can we just talk about that for a minute? The cinematography is breathtaking. It was shot by award-winning filmmakers and was brought to life by a phenomenal cast. So that's all I can say for now. No spoilers here. Just go see the movie when it releases in theaters Friday, January 21st. Get your ticket, save your seat, and maybe get some tissues because it wrecked me. But you're going to love it. And I... And I was kind of like looking back at my life going, oh, I, if I knew back then what I know now, I could have done things differently. I, and I like say in the book and in the show, I just, I say like, look, I feel like I've just been falling down some stairs my whole life into my present day. Like I just, you know, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a mystery unfolding. And so I started to understand that I was much more of like a performing artist. Mm -hmm. I'd spent a, a lot of years being like a studio artist, but I was like, I actually think I want to, do stuff in front of people um and and I I just was like I guess I gotta start now you know and then immediately the voice of giving up or the voice of fear just was like nobody cares about an almost 40 year old man trying to start a new career and I was like that's a very convincing argument like that's a strong argument because it sounds really embarrassing and humbling and but I I I was like but I want to I want to try and so uh I, I kept you know it's not like 
um, look, I'm, I am a haunted person, but I'm not crazy, but well, that's, I guess that's debatable, but you know, like we all have our inner arguments and I was really confronted by some significant inner arguments that were preventing me from kind of moving forward. And so what I knew I needed to do is I needed to start, uh, I needed to find some kind of counter argument, some kind of pivot, some kind of uh, practice. Whenever I was confronted with the limiting narratives that wanted to tell me about my life, I had to counteract it with a different kind of narrative. And so as I was moving forward, I started developing these real simple practices that I still do today. And um, yeah, like, you know, when you, when you make, when you're, you know, quote unquote content creator, I remember I had this moment, I was like, wow, these really work. I should figure out how to monetize these. And then I was like, don't be a jerk. Like, wait, just make sure it really works. So I like waited like a year. Uh -huh. I just kind of, I just kind of kept these as my own inner practices. And then um, I sensed the muse, you know, I'm a creative. So I have this conversation with the muse and I just sensed the muse say, I want you to start talking about this stuff. And um, I was going to Nashville and my fr a friend used to live there and he has a decent podcast. And uh, so I was like, what if we did a live podcast taping? It just gives me a place to talk about this stuff. And so we, we did it. And afterwards, like half the audience stayed around and they were like, wow, it's really poignant. So I was like, okay, I'm onto something here. And then I was speaking at an arts conference in Boise, Idaho. And uh, I, I presented, you know, a little less notes, a little more slides presented this material. And people were like, wow, that really hits me where I'm at. And then that afternoon is when we all found out that Anthony Bourdain, the celebrity chef, uh, chef uh, committed suicide. He took his yeah. own life. Mm. And I had this real moment in this parking lot in Boise, Idaho, where I was like, is it he, you know, I'm not a maker. I'm not a, I'm not trying to be a celebrity chef. I'm not trying to be a chef. Uh, but Anthony Bourdain represented to a lot of us who are makers what we hope our journey of making would lead us to, which is yeah. we're unabashedly ourself. And that brings about success and uh, opportunities and all kinds of great things. And for him to say, I don't even want to be in my life, even though I have all that, made me go, well, what do you think it's going to do for you, Scott? Like, why do you think it'll fill the lack in you? And I knew that the conversation of giving up on yourself, the spectrum of giving up on yourself from, from, yeah, just like binge watching TV and never dealing with your life to deciding that you just don't want to be here anymore. Right. That, that the conversation about that giving up, that spectrum of giving up was something deeper than, well, when you get all the success you want, you'll feel happy. Right. It was a deeper, <clears throat> it was a deeper conversation about what does it mean to be here? Like, not just like where the city you live in or the house you're in, but like, what does it mean to be alive? And <clears throat> a question that I've been curious out uh, of as like a, as a spiritual person is to go like, we all understand that life is a miracle. Like we have science to prove that. Like it Absolutely. took a really incalcul incalculable odds and a really, really long time for human beings to be here. We know that. And we, so we could all be like, yeah, I know my life is a miracle, but why does the miracle suck sometimes? And, right. and, yeah. and if there's, and if there's a giver of that miracle, does it have anything to say about the suckiness? And so I, uh, I knew that I wanted to talk about all of these things, but in a way that made sense to me as an artist and stuff like that. And so um, mm -hmm. that's when I started dedicating myself to making the show called Say Yes 
which then has now become a book. And that's why we're talking. So that's kind of a bit of where I came from and Gosh, yeah. you know, the ins and out of all that. So the, 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 the show and the book are really like a delivery system to go. Yeah. You need some practice. You need some practices to the conversations in your life that are preventing you from walking down the path of desire that, you know, you don't want to walk down. Yeah. So how are you going to develop those? But then also like, Hey, there's layers upon layers of that conversation about who we are, why are we here? What what does life have in store for us? Yeah. Is it are, are we doing it all, are we doing it all on our own, or is there some kind of benevolent help? Is there right. some kind of providence working underneath the you know mundaneness of our existence? Yeah, and that yeah. So all of that stuff. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing, but I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has Groupinar sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify, and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. That's what I love about your work. You know, it really is interwoven in, like you said, this visual art, which is aesthetically pleasing. And then also yeah. really grounded around 
this reflection of conversations that matter most and checking in with yourself. Um, So I love that. And it just exudes from you. It just flows out of you. And you can tell when someone has kind of done the deep work themselves and is checking in with themselves because that's just kind of where it comes out of. So I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, you've talked about, there's so many things that you've said that I want to pull out, but (laughs) slowing down and focusing in on the first part, you know, you talked about basically having um, these different things that you did in life. First, you were, you were teaching and, you know, something that, I don't know if you've heard the term like multi-potentialite. It's my favorite term. It's from a TED talk. No, that is awesome. Tell me all about it. A multi-potentialite. You guys check out that TED talk, but it's basically a person who has like multiple skills and finding a way to harness them together or finding a way to create a space for yourself to harness Uh, skills together, which is really kind of what you've done and created for yourself, um, which can be difficult sometimes, but I love that you've been able to do that. Um, I think that especially in the faith-based world, we have a lot of talk and language around calling. That's this idea that you're going to find your calling. You got to, you know, find your purpose. And even I use the term calling, but I try not, I'm in the context of that. I'm not trying to say like, there's this one true thing that you were ultimately called to, even in my life in transitions. I know that that's not true. I know that sometimes you try out different things, you go through different experience, different jobs, and it all kind of shapes you. And you learn more and more about yourself as you are in these different positions, uh, these different seasons of life that you're trying out. And you're learning more and more about what you really like and what you don't like. And I think there is a natural process to that, especially going through like your early 20s and your 30s. Like you really are learning those things so that it shapes you more toward your true self and who you truly are and what you truly love and want to do. And um, it seems like that's a place that you grieved and arrived to. And I'm sure there are those who are listening who a maybe younger or just starting out in college or about to graduate and they have no idea like what mm-hmm. their calling is um, or those who are on a trajectory for a career and they're realizing like, I don't know if this is actually what I want to do with my life, but I've come so far in this thing. Um, But I want to do something new that really aligns with my true self. And so I guess like, what would you like for those who are listening? Like, what is a calling to you? You know, people think it's this one stagnant thing, but that's just not life. And I think we need to normalize that God like shifts, shifts and shapes us through all of these experiences. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. It's the question. People (laughs) have answers to that make millions of dollars. Uh, (laughs) I don't, but I have, I have an answer. Uh, Let's just even take the term calling. Calling infers that there's some voice speaking to you. Right. And I would say, where's that voice? Well, that voice is deep within you. Um, I think it's the voice of God. I think it's the voice of the deeper part of you, I think it's I think it's the voice of everything. So how do we get in touch with that? Um, I think there's like a couple practices we could talk about. Um, and, and maybe let me, maybe can I, can I back up and kind of take it like yeah. do like three different things? So uh, I made a book, I made a couple books with my friend Justin McRoberts that are about prayer. And our, our thing was, is that 
uh, a lot of our friends who come from faith traditions and then friends who have no tradition whatsoever were started to ask us about like, hey, what does it mean to like pray? And mm -hmm. what we submitted, and we made a couple of books about this is that prayer is not getting God's attention. Prayer is awakening to the voice and work of God that's already happening in your life. Mm. So um, like, how about this, this, this idea of like, have you ever been in your car and a song comes on the radio and you turn it up and you're like, oh, this is my song. <laughs> what are you saying there? You're saying that somehow the artist lyrically and sonically perfectly described what it's like to be in your own skin. It's deeply resonating with you. And that song now becomes a conduit to honesty. That song becomes like a vehicle to approach the giver of existence with. S same thing, prayer is not the words we say, the songs we sing, the images we use. Those are excavation tools. Prayer is the deep ongoing interior conversation you're having uh, with existence and the giver of existence. It's why when you hear something, you're like, mm, that hits me hard. Yeah. It's like when you hear that song, you're like, that's my song. Yeah. It's already in you. The thing is already in you. The thing on the outside is reflecting what's on the inside. So it's the thing on the inside. Yes. So it's the thing on the inside we need to get in touch with. That is difficult because of the noise and fear and our busyness and ego of life that often other words, other songs, poetry, visuals, these help excavate that out of us. So to set that precedent, that, that's my viewpoint is like the voice is already, the conversation's already in there. So how do we pull out that conversation? Well, there's lots of practices tried and true. There's things like solitude and silence, which you know don't sound very sexy at all, but like <laughs> it's because it, it's a bit of a detox. Like if we all know if we went camping, you know, the first couple of days we're like our fingers are like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? You know, and it takes a while to get to right. that space. Um, this great Irish, he, he's passed now, but this great Irish poet and speaker named John O'Donohue was talking to this woman and she was like, I can't, I just don't know what I'm supposed to go in my life. I feel really lost. What should I do? And he's, and his, his advice is like, get up every morning for a week and just watch the sunrise. And she's like, what else? He's like, that's it. Just do that. Mm. And after a week, she came back to him and she's like, yeah, it worked. Because mm. what he was saying is like, take the time to listen and pause let that interior conversation come to the surface. Yeah. When I think we're like, what is our calling? And uh, the Quaker writer, Parker Palmer has this in his book, Let Your Life Speak. He's like, he's like in the Quaker tradition, there's this idea of letting your life speak. And he thought, well, I'm supposed to choose some like morals and ethics that I'm supposed to follow and my life will proclaim those. And then he's like, what I found out is what they meant was you have come into the world a particular way. When are you allowing that particular way to tell you what it wants to be in the world? Mm. Like, when have you gotten to the spot where you, you have listened to what your life wants to be? So I think there's this like stepping back and finding the deepest thing in you about how to be in the world. Um, so there's that kind of starting spot. And then I'd like to give you like one other thing is that um, this, this is really helpful. Like, so I, um, I was asked to speak at this church last summer and I know this community really well, but it had been a while since I had spoken at a church because of COVID and stuff like that. And I just wasn't feeling it. I just was like, I don't, it's weird when you're like supposed to speak and you're like, I don't want to speak. And uh, I called my friend who I work a lot of stuff out with. And I was like, how do I, how do I speak when I don't want to speak? And
think what you need to do is you need to start walking backwards from the place you've gotten to and keep walking backwards until something sparks life. In you. Hmm. And it, it's, it really helps in making something like specifically, you know, speaking at a church, you're like basing it on some kind of sacred text. And then you're trying to expound on that. So I had walked myself so far into the text or my thoughts that none of it was interesting anymore. I just was like, none of this makes me come alive. And he was like, walk yourself back until something is making you come alive. I think, and it, and it, and it really helped because then boy, what you want to spend time on is what's making you come alive. I think we can apply that to our lives too. You and I and everybody listening, we are inundated with, we, we live in a massive consumeristic society. We're told all kinds of things. We are witnessing through our phones and our screens, all kinds of possibilities. How could we ever choose one? I think right. what we need to do is walk ourselves back from all of those options until we come across something that was bringing us alive. Because what you want to spend your life doing is being alive. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, you want to spend your life being alive. You want to part. There's a myriad of ways of being an adult in the world. There's a myriad of ways yeah. of having a job. Like when you find something, you're like, could you have a job doing this? Who would have guessed 25 years ago that you could have a phone and go on trips and show pictures of yourself? And that could become a career. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> wow, that was not a possibility for your younger listeners who are under 27. Yep. None of us thought that was a thing. We thought you had to go to like a production studio and beg them and, you know, do a show or, you know, and like, there are so many ways to exist yeah. in the world. I, I think though, what you want, what you really want though, is you want to be. Yeah. And that is what you're asking is what is the thing? So, yeah. and that, I think there will be a thread throughout your life. The way that looks might be different times. And here's where we get into the conversation about, are you the only one who's in charge of your life? Um, there have been times when Elizabeth Gilbert, the great writer, uh, Big Magic is a great book, but you know, she, when um, Eat, Pray, Love came out, uh -huh. She was still, she was still, still selling trinkets at, at like yard sales on the weekends and stuff. And that book took like a year before it became a bestseller and she, she stopped and just, yeah, and she, it took a year and then it became, and then she was able to quit and just focus on writing. But, uh, she's just like, don't, she's like, I've never asked my art to pay for itself. I always paid for my art. I always made space. And this is, again, I made space for my practice. I waited tables a long time to make space for my practice. Um, and and that in some ways, like I've set things up to where they take care of myself, but I'm still like, I need to dedicate myself to this practice, which yeah. is I need to dedicate myself to what makes me come alive. Yeah. And for for a lot of us, it's not just creative, you know, there's people who love being teachers, there's people who love doing math you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying like yeah there's people yeah. who love staying so, with their kids and fostering their kids there's people who love i mean it's i love what you're saying about really just the takeaway is paying attention to the things that make you come alive i think sometimes we're just going through life so much and we're just so forward thinking that we're not pausing to realize oh like when i did this thing 
I really felt alive, you know, this really brought me to life. And, and this aspect of just being brutally honest with ourselves about what that is. Cause like you said, there are so many societal messages about what we should do and, or maybe what you've seen others do in their own way and what have you, but then just being honest with yourself, like, no, this is, this is what I love. Like, no, this is what brings me to life. This is actually what I want to do. This actually aligns with who I am and being willing to um, be completely honest with yourself about what that is in spite of all the messages and doubts around you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Living in honesty. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say to bring it back to like kind of the practices I have. Yeah. I think uh, some of our hardest hurdles. So there, there are three arguments and three counter arguments in my, in my book, in my show. And, uh, for me, the argument, I'll say the arguments are my particular way that I frame it is like the main arguments that I always come across are nothing's going to change. Um, you suck and are ugly, uh, gets really personal for some reason. And then, uh, and then like giving up is better than trying. And I would say, you know, those are, those are my language for those things, but like, what I would say, the thing that we're always going to combat wherever we're at, whatever we're doing is nothing's going to change. We're going to have narratives in our lives, hidden secret narratives that are dictating our lives that we yeah. need to deal with because those limiting narratives are what's going to prevent us. We're also, secondly, we're in a massive culture of comparison more than any other human beings who've ever existed. We are in a massive culture of comparison because of our screens, our technology, our social medias and stuff like that. And those are great ways of connecting and opportunities, but we also have data now that it's making us miserable and depressed and making one of us making us want to kill ourselves because we're finding that we can't, because we don't know how to be a contribution anymore. Yeah. And we think that our contribution is nothing. And that's not true. Uh, so we have to learn how to exist in this massive culture of comparison by focusing on our unique contribution. And what is what you were saying before, which I want to come back to right after I said this last part, which is the third one is also stuff isn't going to work out the way you thought, but that doesn't mean you're over. Yeah. In fact, maybe it not like the death of a dream, maybe something dying in your life is the thing that enables you to live in a way that you need to. Maybe there's a gift on the other side of the death of a dream, which is you get a new perspective. And so I think those, you know, like what are the narratives? How do we live in a massive culture of comparison? What do we do when things don't work out? Those are, those are gonna be things throughout our lives that we need to have kind of a pivot, a mental health, a spiritual practice from. Um, if I can come back to the contribution thing, because I love, I actually, I heard it from this guy named Jeff Goins and he called it a portfolio life, but I actually have it in the book. And I, um, I, I use a metaphor of like a dance circle because I'm like um, being, because I, there's a large section of the book that's like about being a contribution. Yeah. And I was like, what I love about a dance circle is a dance circle is yes, there's somebody in the middle dancing, but everybody on the outside is going, how can I enter into this dance? Yeah, that's- How can I be, how, how can I be a contribution? And it's right. freaking, it's freaking scary, you know? And that's kind of a good metaphor for life. So one of, so I use that in a multi- multitude of ways, but one of the things I say is um, we, it, I give a bunch of stories for this, but we live in a time now where you're probably not going to be able to just be good at one thing. You kind of need to know a lot of different things. Even you right now, you're like podcasting and probably writing and teaching and doing all, all kinds of things. All the things. 
I'm not a like major movie editor, but I know how to edit videos and I know how to make screen yeah. prints and I know yeah, how to make, you know, I know how to know that stuff now. Yes. Like, you have to know a lot of, yeah. yeah. So then the lament is kind of like, well, I'm never going to be good at one thing. Yeah. I'm never going to be a math. I'm going to be a master of none. Right. Well, what you become the master of is not one thing. What you become a master of is all the things you know how to do. So if we imagine a dance circle and then there's a person in the middle, you're not the master of the things on the outside. You're the master of how those things come together, how they converge in that one space. The person who's dancing in the middle of the dance circle, that's what you become the master of. What are all the things that you love that you bring uniquely together in your own dance? Like, so for me, it's been, I love comedy and I love spirituality and I love the visuals and I love storytelling and I love all those things. And then my, and it's taken me a really long time. Like if you don't figure it out in six months, that's all right. It's taken me a long time, but it's like what I'm starting to become the master of is like how I uniquely put those all together in my own craft. Mm -hmm. That's what I become the master of. There are far better painters than me. There are far better speakers than me. There are far better writers than me. That's, that's a null conversation. Yeah. But it's my juxtaposition of all those things that makes my unique contribution to the world that some people really love and drive five hours to see. You know what I'm saying? That's what we become master of. We can all be the juxtaposition of things we love in the world. That's what we can, we can all, we're all invited to do that. And I love I think that. it's really tapping in on that stuff and dedicating right. yourself to your loves and fostering that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that again taking advantage of the time, I think now is a time more than ever where you can converge these multiple things and totally. create a space totally. for yourself. Because I know for me, like being in the world of, you know, psychology and mental health and being in academia, like there is this kind of academic mold and academic um, path and trajectory that they groom you toward, which is, yeah. you know, you go to school, you do your research, you get your degree, you either become a professor or you're a therapist, you know, in a therapist setting or what have you. Yeah. For me, yeah. I'm like, I love writing. I love podcasting and having conversations. I love doing content creation and fun and entertaining things on social media. I like, you know, um, whatever it is, you know? And, and so for me, it's been, I've kind of been this mix of those things of like content creator, mental health, what have you, rather than maybe just this molded academic trajectory. And there are some things that you just haven't seen before. Like, you know, like I didn't see a lot of psychologists and therapists in academia doing yeah. stuff online. You know, it almost seemed like, am I like, am I, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm doing differently than yeah. people yeah. in my space are doing, you know, but that yeah. doesn't yeah. validate what I'm doing any less. There can just be that feeling, you know, just because yeah. you've seen people in your field doing things a certain way, saying things yeah. a certain way, saying all the same things, preaching all the same things, you know, and just yeah. having the mm -hmm. courage to show up in your own skin and meet those different intersections that make you who you are and boldly just saying, hey, this is who I am. And I know it looks different than maybe how others have done it or how others show up, but like you were saying earlier, um, I'm, I cannot word it as nicely as you did, but I really love this. You said it's showing up in your existence and the way you were created to exist, something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. Not the greatest yeah. Phrase, but, um, 
but I, I love that. I love this idea of showing up as your true self in, in the things that you're passionate about, regardless of what it looks like around you. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the title say yes has multiple meanings, but one of the things you have to say yes to is your own unique incarnation, yeah. your own unique existence. Um, partly because we live in a massive culture of comparison, mm -hmm. we can, and none of us are, none of us are, um, innocent of never doing, doing this, but we've all compared ourselves to somebody and oh, we've yeah. all have lamented whether in a mirror or in a journal or something about like, I wish I was different. I wish I, this was me or some kind of thing like that. And what I have found is like, um, and this is kind of like, it's seriously like the middle of the book, the middle of the show. And it's kind of the main thing where I, I give this image where I'm like, love, a, a, a writer long ago said, God is love. So when we talk about the giver of all existence is love, love wants to pour itself out into you, but you can't receive love if you secretly hate who love made you to be mm. because your life, your life, your existence is the only container that you've been given to receive love in. And if all you're trying to do every day is trade that out, you can't, like love will always fall flat. There has to be in the journey of your life, at some moment you have to go, thank you for letting me be. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this life. I accept it. I accept, sure, we have to say yes to our limitations and our bad habits and our addictions and our sins and all those things we say, oh, they're so bad. I got to hide that stuff. Sure. And there's a reason why all that's happening. We can, we can slowly heal and work those things out, but make sure we also say yes to our capacity to love and be a contribution. The way yeah. we notice light in the world, the way carne asada tastes in our mouth, the way we can <laughs> hug, the way we can sing, all of the other things that we are, that we've been beautifully given that we can be a contribution with. Like we, we, might, we have to say yes to this. We can't really continue in the path of our life if we don't wanna say yes to this existence. And I understand that that existence can be really miserable at times. I really do. I understand that. Yeah. Um, I just think, so maybe the answer isn't to kill off that existence. Maybe the answer is to let that existence die so a different one can come around. Like I remember I heard a, a friend of mine who was con contemplating suicide said this. They're like, I don't, I don't really want to like, I don't really want to end my life. I just want to end the life that I'm living. Right. And that, and I think. That's it. I, I think we all know that it's, it's yeah. again, that metaphor of like, I walk so far down into a narrative that I'm completely miserable. It's like, well, we need to walk ourselves back until we find where we come alive again. I think often in our lives, we've walked, we'll walk down a path and we'll end up at a dead end. And we'll be like, I don't even want to. Do yeah. And instead of like calling it quits, then maybe we could just begin slowly to walk back our assumptions on how we think we're supposed to do it on what we think the outcome of our life is going to be and all of that and come back to where we, we come back alive again. Yeah. I really think part of, it's not like, it's not just about like finding a career you like and a work that you love. It's like, <laughs> cause there are, there are tons of great jobs that you can be in and hate it. And there are tons of awful jobs that you can be in and love it. It's yeah. all about who you are in that place. The place won't decide who you are. It's you will decide who you are in that and that is a deeply, deeply spiritual work. Um, 
but it's there, it's there for us. And I, and I, and, and part of how we get there is deciding, is, is getting back in touch with like that inner conversation, that deep yeah. desire that's in you, that's asking you to move forward, that's asking you to go into a direction. I yeah. love that. I love that surrender. And I think that ties into, I just closing with two questions here. Um, I think that ties into something that you refer to as a death practice. Um, yep. I know that sounds very morbid, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure there's, there's a, a reasoning behind it. And, and I guess it's everything that you kind of just said, but could you tell us a little bit more about a death? What is a death practice and how yeah. can we benefit from this exercise? Um, Cause I love what you're saying. It's not about ending our life, but maybe ending the way that we have existed into yes. allowing space for a new way to exist. Um, yeah. and that is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, and look, I'm a middle-aged artist who wears mostly black because it's slimming and I'm an Enneagram <laughs> for, I think about dying a lot. It. But yeah, de death doesn't have to be like such a morbid thing. It's, it's much as like, yeah. um, I would say this, like when, if you've ever been in a car accident or you've ever had like a scary surgery or it's some kind of death defying moment. Like one time I almost drowned surfing and when I got, got out of the ocean, I wasn't like, well, I got to work on my technique. I was like, I got to rethink everything about my life because like what happened, my God. That, conversation, that conversation with my eventual disappearance came really close. And there is a there is a wisdom at the end of our lives, which is found in our regrets where we're like, I wish I would have done. So what I've been interested in is how can we mine that end of life wisdom and apply it to hopefully the very long lives we still have in front of us. Um, and so a death practice, which is simply just like taking stock and going, what if today was my last day? Like, let's just do really simply, like for you listening, for us talking, what if today was our last day? Um, you, the next meal you had, you'd be like, man, I want to make sure it's good. And you would enjoy every- Get that sushi, get that. You would, yeah, you would see that sunset and be like, I love. You would, what- Nothing is changing except your attention. You're giving attention to all that's around you at all times. That's good. So what you're doing in the death practice is you're just awakening to the magic. of. And then secondly, I think you're, it's again, pulling out this inner conversation. You're getting in touch with like an inner compass, this thing that's already in you. So for example, and I list this in the book, I go, uh, when I get a creative invitation, like some kind of project that I'm interested in, I'll go, okay, what if this is the last project I do? Like I say, I die at the end of it. Which if I was gonna die in three months, I for sure would not do anybody else's job. But like, it's just, <laughs> it's too much pressure to put on a project, but I would just go, would I be okay if this is the last thing I did? And if not, I would go, well, why not? What do you wish you would have done instead? And then when I can see that, then the deeper question is, well, why aren't you doing that? Why are you doing it? That's it. And so, yeah. and so in this, in this death practice, I get the, I can help reveal the thing, the inner compass, the thing that's in me. That's like, what you really want to do, what you really want to be doing is this. Why aren't you doing it? Well, I'm afraid. I don't think I have what it takes. Okay, great. Welcome to the great cloud of witnesses of anybody trying to do something in the world. That Everybody comes the feels territory. Yes. Of those territories. Comes the territory. And other people and other people have a, have overcome that. And guess what? You can too. Yes. But what you lost sight of is you lost sight of the thing that's in you the most. Get in touch with the thing that's in you. So the death practice helps me 
yeah. do that. Um, that's, that's, so I, I do that every week. Yeah. I do like a little check-in, even with my kids. Like if I'm not excited about being a kids, parent, I go, what if you die tomorrow? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> yeah. not how you start. No, I just go, what if this is the last day I have with my kids? What if yeah. one of them was going to be taken tomorrow? How would I talk to them? How would I treat yeah. them? How would I prioritize my time? It just resets. Mm -hmm. It just reprioritizes what you think is most important is really the, is what it does. Yeah. I, I think a terrible memory right now, but I think there's even a scripture that says like, it's wise to be mindful about death in uh, the songs of song, uh, like, songs of Solomon. Nope, nope, nope. I, um, no, it's in Psalm. It's like it's Psalm, Psalm 29 or 129. It's Gosh, like teach us to number right. our days. Yeah. In, yeah. So from the I wisdom that's in the funeral. Yeah. God's been talking about the death practice since <laughs> ancient times. And, and I 100% agree with you. Um, uh, just, I'll be quick, but I was in a developmental psychology course and we had to go through a virtual simulation of all the stages of our life from like childhood yeah. all the way to old age and you know we had to make different choices and then different choices change the trajectory of our path long story short i went all the way to old age um my parents had passed my spouse had passed i was at home retired like um and i even had to write my own obituary okay let me just say wow. little t trauma wow. class <laughs> little t trauma for a psych class like that uh yeah, they really love to use psych students to experiment on. But uh, that <laughs> sobered me so much. I never saw life the same after that exercise. And what I've been doing, I guess, is a death practice, but I didn't have a name for it because now I've always looked at my life backwards. I've always looked at my life from the end and gone, you know, if I were to look back on my 30s today, like, what will I have wished that I did and that I was doing? And how will I have wished that I showed up? And so that really aligns me with my convictions, with who I am, with getting really honest about how I want to show up wholeheartedly. And, um, and so I 1000% believe in the death practice for, for everything that you're saying. Um, I've experienced that myself and it's so sobering. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. And all of that being said, you know, um, how can those stay connected with you and the work you're doing? Because I know that we could talk forever. I'm going to have to wrap this up somewhere, but I, but you have more. You have your book. You have your page where you are having this ongoing conversation for those who love what they heard today and want to keep this conversation at the forefront of their minds, of their feeds. Um, how can they stay connected with you? And uh, we'll have the link to the book in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, I'm most active on Instagram and I'm Scott the Painter. I'm Scott the Painter on all socials, but I'm most active there. And yeah, I'm, you know, I know it's a weird time, all the variants and stuff. And so uh, I am doing shows uh, in various cities throughout the nation. Um, not booking a lot of those right now to let, kind of let things calm down a bit, but like uh, plan on coming to LA. And anyways, I'm, I'm always offering uh, that information through social. So, um, so you can connect me in person, online, and yes, the book comes out and that's a great way. I spend a lot of time making something that doesn't suck and is not boring in order to help us, you know, with these questions of 
it's 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 doesn't suck and it's not boring so i think you'll really like it i'm so excited this feels just like a refreshment for the mind and soul that we all need um yep. these days. so thank you so much for your time thank you so much for everything that you do and you guys check out all of the show notes uh in the links and uh until next time <laughs>